Erev Tov. So the last few weeks we've been studying Agadah together. And in the Agadah course, we were doing Hakdamot of Rabbeinu HaRambam, Rabbeinu Avraham, the son of the Rambam. And as I started preparing introductions, I realized that if you and I were going to sit and do Hakdamot together, introductions, without exaggeration, we could be here for another three years, Be'erich, going through all the Hakdamot, the Rishonim, the Geonim, the Charonim. Everyone has beautiful Hakdamot to Agadah, but we never end up learning Agadah. And therefore, I decided that for our intents and purposes, the last three pieces of Agadah that we're going to deal with, Agadah preparation that we're going to deal with, are going to be from Harav Ben Sion Mer Chai Uziel Alav Shlom, the first Sephardic chief rabbi of the state of Israel. Harav Avraham Yitzchak HaKohen Kuk, the first Ashkenazi chief rabbi at all in Israel before the state of Israel. And Harav Chaim David Halavi, the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, Yafo, and one of the giants of Sepharad. Altogether, they will kind of give us a little bit of a different perspective of Agadah and the, the modern purposes of understanding Agadah and what it could bring to our world today. I found these essays to be as poetic as they are relevant, and I hope that you will find them to be the same with me. You'll notice, uh, first and foremost, in the packet that I attached called Michmenei Uziel, from the treasures of Uziel. It's interesting that actually I have many volumes of this work, which I had purchased from Rabbi Dr. Ezra Barnea, who uh, should live and be well, I just inquired as to his health today. He is one of the last Talmudim, if not the last of the Talmudim of Harab Uziel. I met him in his office in Yerushalayim a number of years ago where we sat together and had some tea together and uh, heard amazing first-hand encounters with Harab Uziel himself. He then proceeded to tell me how difficult it was to continue printing Rabbi Uziel's books alone. Baruch Hashem, I'm happy that since then another uh, organization has joined together with him to continue the printing. But as of now, this volume of Michmane Uziel is not in my library, and I had to print a PDF just like you. And I think it's interesting to note that these PDFs are from HebrewBooks.org, and if you find that in the top, there's a little seal, and that seal says, Sifriyat Agudat Chassidei Chabad, the library of the Chabad Chassidim in the United States, called Ohel Yosef Yitzchak. Uh, Chabad is notorious in the amount of books that they own. Uh, there was a famous war in the Chabad dynasty over who those books belonged to. Do they belong to the Rebbe's family? Do they belong to the Hasidim? Those of you who are familiar with Chabad history will probably recall what it is that I'm speaking about. Nonetheless, it seems that Chabad has donated numerous volumes of their works uh, to the larger community at large by digitizing them and allowing them to be uploaded to HebrewBooks.org. And to them we are grateful uh, for the edition of Michmanei Uziel you have in front of you right now. So just on the cover page... The volumes of Michmane Uziel, they continued many more than just this first one that Rav Uziel printed. But they are, this volume it contains as follows. Ma'amarim Khalim, general essays. Mikhtavim tziburim ulaumim, public and national letters. Neumim yisodim, fundamental speeches, sermons. L'tchiyat Yisrael uvinyan arzo, for the revival of the state of Israel and the, the beginning of the rebuilding of the land of Israel in that, uh, the state of Israel and the land of Israel. Mimeni hadal balfei Israel for me, the poor one of the myriads of Israel, ben Zion meir chai, ben the son of Adoni, avi, hodi, v'hadari, harav, agon, atzadik, the son of my father, my master, my splendor, my glory, the great genius, the tzadik, the righteous one, ravad mikodesh, the head of the bedin here in Yerushalayim, כבוד מורינו הרב רבי יוסף רפאל אוזיאל, זכר צדיק וקדוש שבחה, הרב אוזיאל's father was actually one of the famous uh, דיינים in, in Yerushalayim. He was an expert in Hichot Shechita, and before he even became the Ravad, he was very involved. Everything that had to do with Shechita had to go through Rabbi Uziel's father. When it came to Dayanut, uh, ultimately he, he survived the other דיינים he sat with and became the Av Bittadin. In his youth, Chacham Uziel, our Rav Uziel had spent many years uh, traveling with him in different places as he represented the Jewish community in Israel. And I'm certain that that is what led Rav Uziel to pursue the kind of rabbinic career which he did, which was not at all about building himself up, but about building up the Jewish people as a whole. This was printed in Tel Aviv. So Rav Uziel's father lived from 1829 to 1894. That made him about 65 years old. Uh, the story goes about Rav Uziel's father is that uh, Rav Uziel, at his bar mitzvah age, his father told him 
that he fears that in Shamaim he already knows that he's not going to live to see next year. And he asked Rabbi Uziel if he'd be willing at the age of 13 to fulfill the directives of the Shulchan Aruch to get married if he feels ready at the age of 13 so he'd be able to also be at his wedding. And so Rabbi Uziel did. He got married at the age of 13 and his father was at his wedding. At the age of 14, Rabbi Uziel became a yatom. Rabbi Uziel's father passed away. That was in 1894. So Rabbi Uziel is writing this in Tel Aviv, pre-state of Israel. Taf Reish Tzaditet, 5699. That's the year, in 19, it doesn't tell us which month, so it's between 1938 and 1939, uh, which makes Rav Uziel, at the time of writing this essay, uh, between the ages of 58 and 59 years old. This entire volume was dedicated to a very famous Tamilah Chama, uh, Marat Flora Sasson, Sasson. If you don't know much about this family, it's worthwhile researching, especially her. She's an unbelievable personality. And, you know, we talk about modern women and feminism and women who are educated and and uh, the modern movements that are trying to let women learn Torah. Flora Sassoon, Vatalit al-Kulana, she came before, she was first. Uh, the things that we know about her, uh, the Torah that she knew, she, she corresponded with letters with the Benish Chai himself. Uh, unbelievable things. And uh, aside from being a very famous woman, a very wealthy woman, she also was a big Tamil Chama who received much respect from the rabbis of her generation. One of them clearly being her Abuziah. So, Rashid Amal, the first page of this work. And obviously this is not the whole Michmane Uziel. I simply uh, uh, edited into a PDF the essays that we are going to be doing together from the Rays of Uziel. Bechesed Hashem alai higdil, when Hashem made His abundant chesed on me, Hineni omed shub lifnei hakahal anichbad v'tzibur hakorim nesugehem v'kupat rochlim biadi. I'm standing once again before this honorable congregation, all of the different types of readers that read this work, and I'm offering something in my hands. Zeu Sefer Michmenei Uziel, it's my book, The Treasures of Uziel. Shani motzio laor, that I'm about to publish to bring to light. Uvo ma'amarim k'taliim, and included in this are general essays. Michtavim tziburim leumim, this is a repetition of the cover page. Letters, public letters, national letters, and fundamental, foundational speeches. Which I composed and I wrote. And I spoke these words at different points in our recent history, both in times of simcha, of joy, and times of evil, times of mourning. We're in this strange time which has an abundance of grief and an abundance of hope. It's a, it's a passage. This is the year 38, 39. The world is shifting. Ravuziel doesn't yet know what's about to happen to world Jewry. But it's between, between World War I, we're seeing the founding of the State of Israel is going to be happening just 10 years later. This time period is, is raging. It's, it's a... There's a sea that is uncertain. And Rav Uziel is given the task of being the chief rabbi of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael at the, perhaps what is the turning point in Jewish history in Eretz Yisrael. You know, when we try to judge people and say, what did they do, what did they write, how did they speak, we often forget to look at the context in which they lived. The fact that Rav Uziel wrote and spoke and said the things that he said is one thing. But the fact that he was able to do this in the time period in which he lived, it's unbelievable, these things. I once said about Chachmei Ashkenaz, there is no other Jewish community that suffered the persecution, the terror, the constant day in, day out, year in, year out, suffering and persecution that the Jews of Ashkenaz suffered. Don't get me wrong, I'm not here to say we didn't suffer. You know, I'm not in that Jewish game of I suffered more than you. And it's unbelievable that despite all that, not just the Jews were observant and studied Torah and kept mitzvot. Look at the thousands of works in Halakha, in Talmud, in Tanakh. Unbelievable works that came. When did a person have time? Think about this pandemic you're living through now. People said, you know, I saw someone write. He said, I always thought the reason that I didn't have time to clean out my closet was because I didn't have time. But these recent weeks have shown me, it's not time that's holding me back. We have all these things we say, if only I have more time, I'll be able to do them. 
These are people who had no time. But they made time for the things that they felt were important. Haravuziel is tasked not just with being a rabbi at the turning point in Jewish history, but to be the rabbi in Eretz Yisrael. To be that prophet, that Yehoshua, who's going to cross the Jewish people from Galut, from exile, and into the Promised Land. When I look at Haravuziel and, and I read his words, I can't imagine the responsibility that he carried on his shoulders. But I'm also so grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that of all the people he chose for this job was none other than our Chacham, HaRav Ben Tzion Merch HaYuziel. He says, we're in a time of abundance of grief and abundance of hope. V'hinenu acharayim we bear a responsibility in this generation to all those who came before us, our ancestors and our rabbis. We also bear a tremendous responsibility to, to live up to what the future generations are going to expect from us. It's not just a turning point. This is no longer a generation in Jewish history in which we can be passive. This is a generation in Jewish history where we must take actions, where we must make definitive statements, where we must decide, are we justifying, are we living up to the legacy that our Chachamim left us? And are we paving a path that our children and our grandchildren and all of Am Yisrael's descendants can feel comfortable and safe walking on? Berosh Sifri the in the introduction of this book, in the beginning of this book, the first chapter, the first section, in Hebrew we call them Sharim, a gate. The first gate is called the Torah and the tradition. I dealt in this first section in whatever limited knowledge HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given me. Can imagine Rav Uziel saying, if he had limited knowledge, uh, like we said the other day, if the early ones were angels, we are human beings. And if they were human beings, we are donkeys. And we're not even the special donkeys. I wrote down questions and opinions and foundations that are connected to the written law. From when we stood in Mount Sinai. And until the ceiling of the Kidvei HaKodesh at the hands of Nehemiah with Hakat HaSofrim and the group of scribes and the famous Knesset HaGadola the, the men of the great assembly and all those that continued up until the generation of the Tanaim where we transferred leadership from the Chachamim from the Nevi'im from those who wrote the Torah Bichtav, the written law until those who began writing down the oral law. In these chapters, I did not innovate anything. Whenever Chachamim tell you I didn't innovate anything, you should know that probably they did innovate something. There's probably something here that's going to make you fall out of your chair. The idea though is that these are old ideas. I, I, there's nothing to add. There's nothing to add. My whole purpose in writing this was to argue was to dispute those new mechachim, the, the, the new ones, the, the new movements in Am Yisrael. And to answer back to those who mock, whether in writing or by speech, that they instill doubt in our holy, pure, and trustworthy tradition. And they look for answers for life, for Torah, for everything in foreign places. With intellect that is not of Torah intellect. Some of these conversations that I heard even by mouth, by speech, they motivated me to write these short chapters, to teach first and foremost myself, but also to others. It's an amazing thing when a Chacham includes himself in those who should hear his message.
I'm not preaching. I'm not screaming or shouting. I'm speaking also to myself. Sometimes you hear preachers, they come through. I don't know if you call them rabbis, they're preachers. And their whole speech is like this at you, wagging their finger at you, like you're a dog or something. And the whole time they're screaming at you. They're not including you in the problem. They're not including themselves in the solutions. They know everything, you know nothing, and I'm here to tell you what you need to know. That's the Torah. How Abuziel is including himself. I also have questions. I'm also writing answers for myself. That all questions, all problems, all philosophical and, uh, and uh, scientific questions that we have, and we think they're new questions. They're all there, hidden, folded into the words of our rabbis and the Talmud and the Midrashim and the Agadot. The only difference is that instead of answering in a long language, they packed deep messages into very short teachings, very beautiful teachings. And they wrote their words cryptically, in riddles. They encoded these messages so that only those who truly wish to discover HaKadosh Baruch Hu will unlock them. Those who truly wish to discover Ta'alumot the hidden wonders of wisdom, Da'at Elohim Emet, and the secrets of the God of truth. Bederich, in the way that it says in Mishnei, Tapuchei Zahav B'mashkiyot Kasef, Davar Davur Alofnav, that there are silver-plated, golden apples. Everything is resting on a foundation, we'll explain. And it's like that famous commentary of our rabbi, our light, our wonder, the Rambam, in his introduction to the Moren Vuchim. That everything in the Torah has two faces. Hanigle. The revealed, the hanistar, and the hidden. V'tzarich sh'yeh b'giluyav ma sh'yoreh ha-mitbonen al ma sh'betocho. And when you try to understand something on the surface, on the revealed level, it must also point accurately to that which is hidden inside of it. K'mozeh tapuach sh'zahav, like this golden apple. Asher kisuhu b'shichvat kesef dakat ha'inayim me'od, that is covered in a very thin film of silver plating. And when you look at this apple from far away, or you look at it without uh, great uh, detail, whoever sees this apple thinks it's a silver apple. But somebody with a discerning eye, with a sharp eye, looks at this apple, he'll understand that no, it's not a silver apple, it's a golden apple. They're just hiding it beneath silver. That's also the same thing with the riddles, the parables of our prophets of blessed memory. When you uncover their wisdom, you, will, you uncover their secrets, you'll find wisdom in tremendous areas of life. And when you look inside, you'll find secrets that will help you understand the truest things in the universe. The Chachamim gave us the secrets of life in their writings. But they wrote it in stories, in parables, in rhymes, in riddles, in things that are misleading. You'll think you're going this way, really it's the other way. They're all meant to sharpen the mind and to keep the Torah in the hands of those who deserve her. You know, when you send a message, an email, you send a WhatsApp message, they tell you on top, this WhatsApp message is encrypted for your privacy. What are you WhatsApping people about? About where you're going to meet up for lunch? About, uh, are you coming for Shabbat? You write them about work, about whatever you write about. 
those messages need encryption? There's something so deep in those messages, they need to be encrypted? They need to be safe? Why is it so surprising that our Chachamim, when they wrote down the secrets of the world, that they received ish ish person from person from Moshe Rabbeinu, that they felt, how could we put this down on paper if we're not going to encrypt it also? It's not fair to put out the Torah for everyone to take. It's not just to let the secrets of the universe be accessible to everyone. It goes against that democratic thinking you may have. I'll accept that. But the Chachmei Yisrael, some of their most cryptic, unusual statements that make you laugh or people would mock, inside of those statements are hidden secrets that tell us, Am Yisrael, generation after generation, how we should live, how we should act, how we should believe, how we should be. In this way, this is the way, just like the prophets wrote, this is the way the Chachamim wrote in their Agadah as well. Especially when they were dealing with matters, foundational matters of Emunah. That not everyone is capable of understanding the depth, the essence of Emunah questions. You have this concept in the world of stupid Emunah. What stupid Emunah? Because they're stupid doesn't mean they have emunah. Emunah. Emunah requires training, requires work. HaKadosh Baruch is not stupid. He doesn't expect a stupid belief in him. The, the belief in HaKadosh Baruch is deep, it's complex. It's sophisticated, but it's enlightening. And one who grasps it, al-buyah, the truth of emunah. Ten lechacham v'yichkam od. Mishlei chapter 9 says, Give these words to a wise man, and he will become even more wise. There are some people that you give them raw material, and they know what to do with it. There's some people you give them a piece of wood and they'll make a sculpture out of it for you. You give them ice, they'll make a, a, a beautiful creature out of it for you. You give them gold and silver, they can make the most beautiful jewelry for you. You give Chachamim Chochmah, wisdom, and they will create for you the most magnificent sculpture you have ever seen. Lumadzot, opposite this, Ratziti bidivarai akzarim beparkim ele. I wanted in these short chapters to respond to these maskilim. Now maskilim in Hebrew has a double language. Maskilim really means the intelligent ones, the enlightened ones. But unfortunately maskilim was also used to refer to those who were too enlightened to believe in Hashem. They were too enlightened to believe in the Torah. Klomar, what do I mean when I say maskilim? They rely only on their own intellect, only on their own perception. And they search in the words of our rabbis for a peg to rely on. And a tree branch to grasp onto in order to castrate the psukim of the Torah. And they wish to interpret the verses of the Torah however their spirit wishes to interpret it. When you learn Torah, in the way the Torah was meant to be studied, when you learn the words of Chachamim, the way the Torah was meant to be studied, you can't use the Torah to castrate the Torah. You can't use the Torah to suppress the Torah. to critique the Torah, whether the written one or the oral one, to make all, this is an expression, to attack it however they want with their staff, with their backpack. They wish to lower the stature of the written Torah and the words of our prophets. The divrei sifrut, it's beautiful literature, poetic literature. Musarit philosophic gam yachad. It's so ethical, it's so philosophical. Kechol ha-safrut ha-filosofit ha-mishpatit 
like all other literature, the philosophical literature, the scientific literature, the ethical literature, the legal literature, like all nations of antiquity and those of modern life as well. They love the Torah as an ethical work. They love the Torah as a philosophical work. They don't want the Torah as a work of Borei Olam, as a work of the creator of the universe. Why? Why don't they? They don't wish to believe or they don't want to listen to the words of our rabbis and their Agadah. This teaching is found in Masechet Sofrim in the name of Rabbi Chinina Bar Papa. Panim bepanim diber Hashem that Hashem spoke face to face. He says there are many different faces of the Torah and two of them that Rav Uziel quotes. Panim shel lamikra a face of awe when it comes to the Mikra, to the written Torah, Panim Masbirot La'agada, and a happy face to the Agada. this means, When we enter the holy chambers of the Torah and prophecy, We must enter those chambers with fear, with awe, and with trembling. And when we analyze, when we journey in the writings of our rabbis in their Agadah, we must believe in their true foundation, in their truth. We must look at them with a shining countenance. We accept them. And with perceptive eyes. Not to accept them superficially, but to gaze into their depths. And to explain them and their true meanings. In the same way that those rabbis who wrote them wrote as the Ruach HaKodesh was resting in their Ben Midrash. I cannot tell you how many times I read the writings of Uziel and I become emotional. Who writes like this? Forget the clarity, forget the, the conviction, the poetry, the beauty of his words. But these, these scholars, they don't do it this way. They enter these chambers as if it's some scientific research center. They come in there with a light head, with not, no seriousness. They don't ask themselves, From where do you think this great spirit comes from? Where do you think this clarity of thought comes from? This beautiful language. Where do you think it comes from? and the beautiful poetry and allusions in its text and, and the, the, the view, the far-reaching view into the future that the Torah reveals which is sparkling out at you, shining out at you from every single line Pasuk u pasuk, sentence and sentence, midivrei Torateinu unvoat chozenu, in the words of our Torah and our prophets. Vesheen kimotam leromemut unimut, and there's no other work like these that uplift your soul in a pleasant way. Lorak besafrut shel kol hamim nodortehem, not only in the books of all the other nations and all their history, elagam besafrut hamadait vamusarit, but even in today's scientific and ethical works. Even the writings of law and society of this last generation. These holy books, they continue and they, they increase in the world. They spread. The Torah constantly is translated into new languages. And all those who consider themselves intelligent know the Torah. 
נושא מחקרי לכל חכמי המחקר והמדע. The Torah has become a topic for all those who are serious researchers. ומשמשים להורות הדרך הישרה, and people use the Torah to gain insight as to what is the proper path in life. וכיוון הנכון של החיים המשפחתיים. How do we direct family life? הציבוריים, how do we guide public life? הלאומיים, how do we guide national life? עובדה חיה וקיימת זאת שהיא מיוחדת במינה. This is a living fact that proves the Torah is special. היא מעידה על עצם קדושתה המיוחדת. It testifies to the special holiness which is in the Torah. שהיא נאמרה מפי אדוני אל עליון, which was said by the mouth of הקדוש ברוך הוא, the God of high. בורא העולם, the creator of the universe, יוצר האדם, the former of man. ומחייבת להיכנס אליה בפנים של אימה. And it demands from us that when we enter into the chambers of Torah, we enter with awe. וברוח אמונה גמורה, with a spirit of אמונה, complete אמונה, מוחלטת, decisive אמונה. למעתיקי קבלתה ופירושיהם ודרושיהם, and we accept the truth of those who are trusted to write down the secrets of our Torah. שאף הם מקובלים באומה איש מפי איש בדייקנות מרובה that we have already accepted in our nation that because of their extreme particularness in halakha in teaching us the Torah we have accepted שלא לסטות ימין ושמאל מרוח הקדושה והנבואה החופפת עליהם והאופפת אותם that we will not deviate right or left from the teachings that our חכמים have taught us and from the spirit that has been imbued into them וזאת הייתה מגמתי בכל השאר זה של התורה והמסורה. This was my whole purpose in writing this chapter about תורה ומסורה. אמנם יודע אני גם זאת, אבל אני עושה את זה. שלא מיציתי את כל הדברים לעומקם ומיטוטם, that I still didn't write enough, I didn't expand enough, ועדיין יש דברים רבים וספרים שלמים, and there are entire teachings and entire books שנעלמו ממני that have been hidden from me או שאינם ידועים לי או I don't even know about them. אולם כוונתי הייתה במאמר זה but nonetheless my intent was in this essay לתת ראשי פרקים בשאלות אלה to give at least an outline in these questions ולהורות לעצמי ולאחרים and again to teach myself and others שכל בעיות וספקות שבמקצוע זה that all the problems, all the questions that arise in this discipline, לא חדשו, they're not new. אלא שכבר דיברו ובררו רבותינו הקדמונים בחקירתם ואגדתם, that our rabbis already researched this, and their research and their אגדה, ופתחו לפנינו אופקים רחבים בדבריהם הקצרים והעמוקים מאוד, and they've expanded horizons for us, with their very brief but very deep words. שהם מועט המחזיק את המרובה, it's something very small that contains a lot. ולמה לנו איפה לראות בשדה זרים? Why are we so busy? Shepherding in the fields of strangers. ולקבל את דבריהם כדברי ההורים והתומים. And we accept the words of other nations. As if they were somehow the words of the הורים ותומים, the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. Those are the divine words. Our Torah is good for nothing. או להסתמך על איזו תגלויות מסופקות ולעזות, it says, maybe it should mean ולעזוב, את הקבלה המסורתית הנאמנה and to rely on some shaky foundations and to leave our Torah which has solid foundation. On page 7. בדבריי על התורה והמסורה שבשער זה In my words in the Torah and tradition that are in this section, צירפתי גם דרכי מדרש ההלכה. I included also the מדרשי הלכה. ודרך הביאור, הפירוש והדרוש, and the way that חכמים used to explain different teachings of the Torah, שבה הלכו רבותינו זר, that was the way in which חכמים spoke, ורקמו את הספרות הנפלאה של החיות התאומות, and this is the way that they רקמו, that they embroidered, really they weave together. The twin sisters, remember this term, twin sisters, because we're going to discuss at length the twin sisters that he speaks here. Ha'halacha ve'ha'agada. 
halacha, law, v'ha'agadah, and the other part of the rabbinic teachings. Agadah. Those are twin sisters. Betalmudam uvamidrasham. V'gam bazen agati b'ktsam azleg, and even that I only touched with the tip of my fork. If I came to write about every chapter and every detail, I would never finish. But my desire was, my intent was in these chapters, to teach one foundational matter. Then also the drush, and also the halachic and agadic explanations of the Torah. That are found in the words of our rabbis. They are based on solid and accepted foundations. And with extreme perceptive glance, insight, to the spirit of the Torah and the prophets. That were passed down both written and orally. And the tradition of our rabbis is precise, and it's accurate, and it's loyal to the intentions of the Torah. Why not finish the rest of his introduction? Mishar HaTorah V'Mesorah, from that essay on Torah and Mesorah, Nichnasti L'Tarkalin Sheba, I entered the main room, the living room. That's the holiness of time. The Jewish days of rest, like Shabbat and holidays. They're not just days of, of rest and idleness. And, or joy and, and lightheadedness. But they're days of holiness for themselves. And they are a way of holiness for us for our life on this earth. Babait in our home, Basadeh in our fields, Barachov in our streets, Bechayah HaMishbacha in the life in our home, Hachivra in our family life, Hachivra in our communal life, Vehalom and in our national life. Vehem hema shomrim neemanim lenitzchiyut Yisrael betzivinom tushato and they are what we are loyal to and what maintain the integrity of the Jewish people and its holiness. And on those Shabbat and our holidays is where we rest our hopes for our redemption. And after I spoke about Torah, then I spoke about the holidays and Shabbat. Is my third chapter that I wrote for the lawgivers, the lawmakers in Am Yisrael. essays, and sermons in matters of the rabbinate. That they are the ones that must uphold the covenant of the eternity of Israel and the holiness of its holy days. The essays that Rav Uziel writes for Tamanech Chamim, for rabbis. I think there's a reason. Someone asked why they're not in English. I think that's the reason. It's too painful. The things Rav Uziel suggested so many years ago, no one listened to. And the things he said are just as scathing, but as important as they were ever. These three gates, it's a threefold rope. It's, it's impossible to separate and to rip. And it is the spine of the united Jewish people. Like we say, and who is like you, the nation Israel, one nation in the earth? The fourth section of these essays, Our sermons and speeches that I gave in various occasions from the Battle for Declaration, until the return of the Jewish people to its holy land. And this land is an internal inheritance for Am Yisrael and for her Torah. The fifth gate. 
הוא חלק ממכתבים ציבוריים או לאומיים שכתבתי בהזדמנויות שונות. There are different public and national letters that I wrote for various occasions, ושיש בהם ערך היסטורי, and they have historical value, ליישובינו בארץ and our settlement of the land. וכדאים הם, לדעתי, לפרסמם לזיכרון הדורות הבאים. It's important for me that we should record these for the future generations to have. There's a book by Rabbi Yudah Leib Fishman Maimon. He's an unbelievable author. He was Tamid of the Aruch HaShulchan, Tamid of Rav Kook. He knew Rav Uziel personally. He has a number of books. One of the books that always left an imprint in my heart was a book he called Leman Tzion Lo Echasheh. For the sake of Zion, I will not be silent. And it's a record of his journeys on behalf of the political Zionist movement to regain independence for the Jewish people in their homeland. And the things he went through, the imprisonment he went through, the torture he went through, the Jewish communities that threw him out that he went through, the Jewish communities that accepted him that he went to. And in there he writes that the reason for writing this book is because the generation of those who lived in a reality which, the, which there was no state of Israel, and who sat at the steering wheel to make sure that there would be a state of Israel for the Jewish people, must record their legacy, must record this history to remind the Jewish people in the future not to take for granted what it is that they have. I think it's so easy to criticize, so easy to hate, so easy to be upset by, but we don't know what it's like to live without it. We don't live in a world in which we don't have a place to go to. We don't live in a world in which we didn't even have Israeli soldiers to complain about. We didn't live in a world in which we had a prime minister to hate. We lived in a world where we were katzon natevach. We were sheep for a slaughter. And HaKadosh Baruch has taken us out of that reality. Even those of you who are not now in Eretz Israel, the fact that you know that your airplane could be hijacked in, in, in Tebirchman and Jewish soldiers with green uniforms and stars of David on their shoulder will fly to the other side of the world, break down the walls into an enemy airport and free Jewish prisoners is a reality that HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed us with that no other generation in the last 2,000 years was able to experience. The value of these letters, of understanding the history of how this country was formed is of paramount importance. It's not just history. It's the key to appreciating what we have and to fixing all that needs to be fixed. V'ashar Shishi. The sixth gate, Hushar HaTorah VaMitzvah, is the gate of Torah and Mitzvot. Shehi Chayenu VaOrch Yamenu, it is our life and the purpose of our days. Shelaora Anachnu Olchim, to her light we walk. Vinelech Kol Haemim Uveora Nireor, we will walk on her path our whole life, and only she will give us light. Lehayir Cheshkat Afelatenu, to to lighten up Cheshkat, the darkness of our dark. And to give rise to the son of our redemption, like it says, because the mitzvah is a candle and the Torah is a flame. And with this essay, I finish the book. And to finish my words, I'm giving thanks to Hashem. You know, he's going to give thanks to Hashem again soon. I want to read to the bottom of page 7. There's a part of rabbinic literature that always touches me. And not because it's surprising, but because it's so nice to see. You and I have been raised in a reality in which we know people who are rabbis, who are supposed to be Tamil Chamin but lack any kind of sensitivity in the world. They lack any kind of empathy, any sympathy, any involvement in real life.
my wife was once explaining to somebody the difference between her parents' generation in the Hasidic community and today's generation in the Hasidic community. It's very simple. In my parents' generation, it was considered a beautiful thing to see a husband and a wife walking together in the street. In today's reality, religious people don't walk with their wives in the street. You live in a, in a regression, in a place where things that are normal, that are human, that are beautiful, they don't exist anymore. A sensitivity, a, a, a reality of Chachamim who were involved in the world, who knew what was happening outside their front door. There's a famous Ashkenazi rabbi that was in America. I don't want to mention his name, but I'm not here to, to speak about him. But there's an article I read somewhere that said, oh, you know, this rabbi, never in his life did he look at a newspaper. He didn't have time to waste time of studying Torah. And one of his students posted a picture on the internet of this rabbi with a big newspaper, reading the newspaper. He said, and I was the one who used to bring him the newspaper every morning. And when they asked about, what was he busy wasting his time reading the newspaper? He said, how could I be a posek halachot? How could I rule halacha if I don't understand the reality that the people are living? How can I rule living in an ivory tower? How can I teach to a lot of people if I don't know their life? Today, that's something you have to scream out from the rooftops. Common sense isn't so common anymore. Rav Uziel writes here in the direction to his book, Bless, please, Hashem, my God, at Bet Avdecha, the house of your servant, Imi Haikara, my dear mother. Rabati Banashim, Sarati B'Malot, a righteous woman among all the women, Choter Migeza Arelim Betarshishim, she comes from royal lineage, Sarah, his mother, Lebet Chazan, from the Chazan family, Verayati Haikara, and my dear wife, not my wife, some places today, you can't even write your wife's name on a wedding invitation, Mr. So-and-so and his wife. Verayati Haikara, my dear, my precious partner, Rayati, my beloved, Ezrati Bachaim, my helper in life, Aliza, the Bet, I don't actually know how to pronounce this word, Eltaras, Ve'achai Haikarim, and my dear brothers, Avuziel is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, his father was married twice. One of his brothers ultimately was the founder of a bank, uh, the Palo Israel Bank, Palestine Israel Bank. Uh, which became Bank Lumi in Israel later in history. Banai uvnotai, my sons, my daughters, v'chatanai, my sons-in-law. Nechdai v'nechdotai, my grandsons and granddaughters. Yachad kulam ichyu, dagan v'yifachuk agefen, may they all grow and blossom. V'ani terem achalel daber. And before I finish speaking, Esat birkati v'todati ha'amuka lekal kadosh b'tel aviv. I wish to share my deep appreciation to the holy community in Tel Aviv. Hamatira, the, the glorious community. That this is already many years that I'm living amongst them peacefully and respectfully with dignity. This has allowed me tremendous abilities to study Torah. To study Torah with a broad, broad mind a comfort, a tranquil soul. And may Hashem bless them. And I always thank those in Kilat Shar Shamayim. Kilat Shar Shamayim is the, the gift of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to me, but it's also the gift of my Bnei Akilah to me. It's the ability to sit and learn Torah, to teach Torah. We've created a community that's more of a Ben Midash than it is a social club. And, and when people know that we're coming to learn again, and we're going to learn again, it's not, when is the rabbi going to be quiet? I'm sure that people wonder when I'm going to be quiet. Don't hold your breath, it's going to be a long time. But to give me the ability, the, the basic parnasa, the ability to be able to do what we do and to give to the whole world, to all those thousands of people on the internet, they only have what they have. They have what they have because of Kilat Shamay. Because of a few righteous individuals. That they accept upon themselves the yoke of the Torah. 
May we have many, many tranquil years together of peace and of hachavat adat, broadening of mind and spirit. Ulvasof, and at the end, I'm ending with a prayer, a request, before the Holy One of Israel, Adonai Tzivot Shemo, Hashem Tzivot is His name, and I ask, Hoshea Adonai Tamcha Yisrael, save, please, Hashem, your people, Israel, from their tzarot, from their suffering, and from their poverty. Gather all of our exiles from the four corners of the world and bring us back to your holy land and singing. This is right before the Holocaust, or maybe even the beginning. And may no longer those evildoers be able to oppress us, to torture us, to put terror in our hearts. And may we you bless our eyes to see the return of your holy Shekhinah. With the rebuilding of the Bed Mikdash, which is called Ariel. And all I have to say is Amen. May all those who oppress Am Yisrael, may all those who hurt Am Yisrael, May all those who've made it their choice in life to instill terror into the hearts of Am Yisrael, may they stop. May they leave us alone. I'm not cursing them. Whatever happens will happen to them. So I'm not looking to make their life hard. To leave us alone. Like the Rambam says, The Chachamim only desired Yimotah Mashiach so they could sit and study Torah together to reveal the wonders of the Torah to His people. B'zad Hashem. We're in this time between Yom Ha'atzmaut and Yom Yerushalayim. And I bless us that as we study Agadah together, and we study Hakdamo to Agadah together, that we realize that in order to understand the present, in order to see into the future, we must unlock the secrets of the past that have been encoded into the Torah. And as we're going to read about next week, it's not enough to just learn Torah. It's how you learn Torah. It's with which eyes you see the Torah. It's with which lens you view the Torah. Do you just read Torah? Or are you searching? Are you scanning the depths of that Torah to bring out Talumoteha, to bring out those hidden messages? Razei Olam, the secrets of the universe, of the living God Hashem. And that, Bezat Hashem, is the purpose of studying Agadah. That is what we're going to be doing together here. Bezat Hashem, we'll be continuing next week with another Hagdama. Kol tuv, shalom lachem, shabbat shalom when it comes.